welcome back to our Green Campus podcast. My name is Neve, and I'm your solo host for today. Oliver is uh, working away in the office, but today I'm joined by two special guests, Catherine and Angela. Welcome to the podcast. It's fantastic to have you on. Thanks, Neve. Thank you, Neve. Uh, so just to kick off, do you want to introduce yourselves and just tell us a bit about your roles in UCC and your background? Uh, okay, thanks, Neve. Uh, Angela here. Um, I'm a lecturer in the School of Nursing and Midwifery in UCC. So originally I was a nurse. Um, and I worked in cardiothoracics and I worked in intensive care in places in London and in Cork. And I've been lecturing and nursing uh, in UCC for quite a while. So, um, yeah, that's me. Yes, uh, I'm Catherine and I work in the School of Applied Social Studies. And I lecture in community development and social policy across a number of courses, including qualifying community development and social work programs. Fantastic. So I suppose for anyone who's listening who might be unfamiliar with kind of the the Department of Public Policy and kind of how it relates to sustainability, could you talk to us about kind of that link between healthcare and I suppose sustainability and climate? Yeah. So um, what's really interesting about the work that we've done myself and Catherine, and we should mention as well Mary Hurley and Fia Crow Sullivan, who are part of our team. Um, but what's really interesting about it is that we're across different disciplines um, and across different colleges, indeed. Uh, and sometimes in, in universities, people can work in their little silos and get sort of separated away from each other. But we um, we sort of uh, join forces um, across. So uh, my discipline is nursing, whereas um, in on the team, we've got social work, uh, child uh, community development and, and lots of different areas. So. We kind of um, felt there was a need for us to to collaborate. And what we were really interested in finding out about was uh, to what extent do we prepare the professionals that go into our disciplines? How do we prepare them um, in terms of environmental education and sustainability? So, um, you know, very often these sort of disciplines can be very we can be very focused on sort of maybe, you know, in my area, particularly, you know, biological and uh, physiological stuff and illness and disease. And um, we can be very focused on the individual person uh, and not looking wider beyond to the environment that the person exists in. So um, that's kind of why we wanted to do this piece of work. And we were lucky to get a little bit of funding. Um, and uh, Catherine might might uh, take up about the, the relationship with, with her discipline, but in nursing and healthcare, um, the relationship with environment is is really huge. And for a long, long time, we've been talking in healthcare about what's called the social determinants of health, the things that your GP and your doctor can do very little about and drugs can do very little about, but things like the environment you live in, the home you live in, the transport you have available to you, the green space you have accessible, your diet, your um, you know, all, all of the your socioeconomic status as well. So these all influence health and we know that they influence health and well-being. Um, but while we know that they Im- impact health, we don't really concern ourselves with the environment in, in healthcare uh, very much. But that is changing. And, and I suppose it's, it's part of that that uh, change, that curve that we're, we're hopefully talking about today. Um, as Angela says, um Our disciplinary areas, we come from the social or helping professions, as they're sometimes known. Um, So they include, of course, healthcare, as Angela has said, social work, uh, which is a professional 
um, and legally based um, disciplinary area and also community development and youth work, which is my area. And um, these disciplines have tended to be what we call anthropocentric um, in that they focus on the human being rather than on the, the, I suppose, the natural environment um, in which the human being grows up, exists and functions. Um, and also the non, they don't tend to focus on the non-human environment either, um, the world of, of animals and, and other beings. Um, so there has been, as Angela said, a move towards, uh, in social work particularly, um, but also in these other disciplinary areas, towards looking at um, the connection between uh, the you know the social worker, the community development worker, to a lesser extent the youth worker, but that's also important, and the natural environment. Mm-hmm. And we've really seen this emphasis develop, particularly over the last 10 years, but before that also. So we're trying to see how in an Irish context, in the context of the island of Ireland, um, we can introduce uh, green and environmental perspectives to training in our disciplinary areas and also to practice in these areas that's what we're trying to do at the moment uh, just one other point about that um fiacra o'sullivan who, who whom angela just mentioned he's uh, working in social work in our school and he and mary hurley who's also a social worker in our school they have developed a module on um, social work and the environment and that module is being delivered on the Master of Social Work programme for the last two years. We've now developed a sister programme, which will be uh, rolled out on the BSOC Science Youth and Community Work programme, on which I work. And that module will be delivered from next January. And uh, the modules will be co-taught. So the idea is that the social work and community development and youth work students will be trained in um environmental education Catherine you just mentioned kind of the Irish context there would you have like an insight into kind of how the the social determinants of health are affecting people in Ireland I mean do you have any stats on that um there's there's lots of evidence and you know people have been gathering research evidence around the social determinants of health for for many many years um we've known for example that people in poorer community have poorer health and then um, strangely and sort of paradoxically, they have poorer access to health than richer communities. Um, and that's something that was identified sort of way back in the 60s in the UK, that, that the, you have this reverse uh, scenario. Um, we know that uh, as well around issues like air pollution and clean air. And we, we've heard more recently when there's the debate at the moment in relation to turf cutting, about how uh, how many people die in Ireland uh, prematurely because of poor air. Um, so there's lots of evidence. I probably don't have the stats to hand today, but um, you know, I suppose one of the, one of the challenges for us is in in healthcare certainly, and I, and I know um, it's it's the same in social care that very often we focus on what's called the downstream 
so uh, you have the analogy of somebody sort of you know standing beside a river and seeing somebody is 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 has fallen in the river and they jump in and they recover them and then they see somebody else they jump in again and then you, you have all of these people coming down the river um, but somebody at some point needs to go upstream and see what's happening up there so that's kind of what uh, social terms of health does it you think about what is it that has caused these uh, these illnesses these diseases um and we know that things like cardiovascular disease, um, cancers, lung cancer, um, particularly, that they are higher in areas of poor socioeconomic status um, and that the access to health care is poorer as well. So um, I suppose I'm getting away from the environmental stuff there a little bit, but just to, to come back to uh, to environment. Um, the other big challenge for us in healthcare is the fact that the healthcare system is the single biggest producer of of waste, of single-use waste. Um, there has been massive efforts made to try and sort of uh, claw back that uh, damage to the environment and, and th- wastage. Um, here in Cork, um, Cork University Hospital was actually uh, one of the first hospitals in Ireland to have a green flag. So they have a, a green flag committee um, and a colleague there, uh, Anne Moran, uh, director of nursing, would have helped out with us on, on one of our webinars that we had. And she spoke really well about the impact of the green flag initiative in Cork University Hospital um, and the challenge that that involved. And of course, then um, this has all been impacted by COVID um, and the the amount of use, single use of materials in an effort to you know, to protect against infection and to uh, provide PPE. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's pretty, uh, pretty horrifying. Um, so I think any benef- any sort of progress that was made has probably gone back a little bit and we have a lot of work to do, yeah. Yeah, it's that necessary waste production in terms of kind of the pandemic and stopping the spread of the virus. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you walk down the street and you see the, the, sink, the masks, you know, yeah. everywhere. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think there was definitely momentum building up before um, COVID hit in terms of kind of reduction on single use, and kind of that waste production. But it's yeah. definitely taken a step back over recent years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's very, you know, it, it, it's very serious. Um, the amount of, of waste from from masks alone, if you take masks, is just a, a small indicator of the rest of the waste. Um I, I remember, I mean, I was actually in um, the intensive care unit at one point during the COVID, one of the COVID surges and just the, the sheer volume of of PPE um, being disposed of. And remember, during a lot of the initial stages of COVID, um, there, there was a shortage, there was a global shortage of PPE. So all sorts of different things were being used uh, just to, to get keep people protected which was the priority. Um, but yeah, very, very challenging, very challenging situation that we're in now. But we do have an opportunity to, I suppose, using the phrase build back better um, and to post COVID to to be more aware of environmental options that we have and uh, more sort of sustainable uh, solutions around waste and around uh, disposal of, of, uh, of, of waste products. Yeah, absolutely, because I suppose Definitely in the, the health system, there's always going to be that production of waste, you know, that's necessary. Absolutely. Um, but I suppose it's minimizing it as much as possible and being, I suppose, intentional with, with what we're using. Yeah. And just moving on from that, you kind of mentioned your, your teaching and, and the modules that are going on. 
I wonder what the reaction of your students has been when you've integrated sustainability and kind of environmental education into your, your teachings. Yeah, uh, maybe I might comment on that. Um, So the the social work module that I mentioned has just been running for the last two years. Um, As far as we know, that module and the community development one that's coming on stream in January are the first two modules um, of their kind on these programmes in Ireland, certainly. the reaction of the students, uh, their the reaction perhaps initially was, what does this have to do with us? I think that that might have been a fair assessment generally of the reaction. So not to say that individual students weren't concerned with the environment. I think it would be very unfair to say that. I think that they are. But I, I, don't, I don't think that students necessarily made the leap between, in terms of connecting social work, with um, environmental education and the environment. You know, what is the connection between that and the environment? Um, but when the first um, iteration, the first uh, cycle of the module was delivered, it was done so in a very applied way. So there was theory, but there was also application. So students had to do things like um, take a green walk. You know, uh, this was in the, at the height of COVID. So um, originally they were supposed to do a walk together. But what we asked them to do was to walk individually in their neighborhood, in the place where they lived. Um, and just to note down, take some notes of some of the things they saw. Uh, for example, what type of housing is there there? What types of energy can you see being consumed there? Um, what can you What can you tell us about nature as you walk along? What do you see? Do you see birds? What do you hear? Um, and they said that even doing that, you know, quite simple exercise, got them thinking about the environment in which they live. Um, so some people, of course, were living in the countryside, some in the city, some in maybe a small town or a village. Um, one person was even uh, tuning in online to us um, from the Canary Islands, where she where she lived at that time. Um, and she was saying, look, what I see uh, here is a lot of people um, coming over on small boats uh, to the Canary Islands to try to seek asylum. Um, And of course, asylum seeking is um, often caused, not always, but often caused uh, uh, by environmental issues, by environmental problems. Uh, So so I think students really began to understand uh, by the end of the module um, what the connections between social work and environment were. Um, And in other parts of the world... Uh, many places, social workers are working in contexts in which um, the environment, the environment and environmental change has had a huge impact. For example, places like New Zealand, where uh, places like China, where various uh, catastrophic environmental um, uh, incidents um, happen all of the time, such as earthquake, tsunami. Um, drought and you know um, these are um, I suppose occurrences which we're seeing to some extent in Ireland as well okay not earthquake (laughs) but definitely other environmental um, problems that are becoming 
much more significant now. Um, so uh, we hope that something similar will occur when we uh, roll out the community development and youth work module along with the social work one. Um, we think, we expect and we believe that it will. But it's also, I really feel it's really important to mention that we can learn from students too, because quite a number of our students are involved in environmental um, campaigns and uh, with environmental groups. Um, uh, for example, community gardens. Um, and uh, one of the social work graduates, I might just mention her very quickly, um, is involved in using bees and beekeeping as an opportunity to um, get people engaged with the environment um, and also with issues surrounding social justice. So um, there's a lot going on from students as well. Students are very heavily engaged and I'm sure you, you know that Neve from previous podcasts and also from uh, UCC's work in this area. Um, I'm really glad that Catherine mentioned the, the issue of, of refugees there as well in, in, in that bit um, because I think it's really clear to everyone that the challenges of environmental and climate change uh, and the biodiversity crisis, um, I think it's kind of obvious that they are going to impact the most more vulnerable communities and more vulnerable countries uh, first. So it really is only a matter of time before... The concept of climate refugees is something that we're all going to become have to become very, very familiar with. Um, there's a, a real challenge for us in healthcare then and in social care to consider the needs of, of refugees coming to our country for whatever reason uh, they're coming to the country. But I think the climate refugee uh, crisis is around the corner and that's probably going to push us uh, sooner to 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 uh, recognising the challenges. Um, yeah, making those connections, but I think, between your relevant discipline and sustainability is really important. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic to hear about the, the initiatives that you're, you're doing in, in your departments and your modules. Um, I think as more and more people learn that you know, climate justice is a huge issue and it's you know, climate change and the biodiversity crisis is so entangled with a multitude of social injustice issues. Mm. You know, we need to educate ourselves on those so we can tackle them better. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And just in relation to kind of activism, that kind of draws me on to my next question. Um, so I came across this webinar called the UCC Global Ethics Day webinar that you were involved with uh, called Sustainability, Solidarity and Social Justice in Social Work, Educational Endeavours. Could you tell us more about the kind of the social work activism and the role of social workers as agitators? I'll leave that one with you, Catherine. Okay, well, um, we don't have Fiacra with us today. Yeah. Yes, unfortunately, Fiacra and Mary aren't here, and, and they are both social workers. Um, they also were the people, Fiacra in particular, I think, who were involved in World Ethics Day, uh, that event. Um, but uh, I think it's very important to say that um, looking at the environment and focusing a focus on the environment is very important in social work ethics um, and social work in fact um, as a as a I suppose as a disciplinary area on a global context has been doing a lot over the last 12 years to uh, to talk about to raise the issue of um, the environment and 
indeed environmental education and the importance of um, having a reference to the environment in social work ethics, uh, whether it's at national level, global level or organisational level. Um, so I, um, there have been various initiatives since 2012 um, that social work has been engaged in, has been engaged in globally um, in this area. Um, I'd also like to just mention that um, in an Irish context, um, the All-Ireland Standards for Community Development, that's our um, standards statement or document for community development practice, um, that has a reference. One of the standards uh, refers to um, the environment as well and environmental awareness. So these developments are very important for social work and community development educators um, as we introduce modules and inputs on the environment to our programmes and we try to, to drive forward with this agenda um, on the island of Ireland. Uh, we did a piece of uh, research a, a couple of years ago that Angela Fiacre and myself were involved in and Mary also. And we looked at environmental, at um, the perspectives of educators across our four disciplinary areas um, and to their, I suppose, their experiences of environmental education. And the research showed that they were very interested in environmental education. They wanted to introduce it um, in their teaching and learning. Um, but there are some obstacles to that. Um, one of those being, you know, time in the curriculum, space in the curriculum to do so. Um, so we, we have found uh, a way to make space in our curricula, um, in our school. And uh, we, we hope that and expect that um, other universities and colleges will be following suit and doing the same. That, that survey was very interesting, wasn't it, Catherine? Um, because we surveyed educators in uh, all our disciplines and uh, aggregated them together. And 84% uh, of the respondents said that their institution had a green policy or sustainability policy. Um, Yes, but only seventeen percent said that they were very familiar with the concept of environmental education. Um, about forty percent of it of them ranked environmental education as highly relevant to their discipline, um, which I kind of thought would would be higher. Um, and but over fifty percent, fifty two percent were using environmental education um, in their teaching activities, which which is very, uh, very sort of encouraging. Um, and as Catherine said, that was a couple of years ago. So um, if we were to go back again, I think, you know, the, the challenges and the acuity of the situation with climate change has probably, if anything, it will have prompted people to to maybe go push a little bit further. But the fact that there's institutional uh, support there uh, in the form of policies is something that needs to be harnessed really you know um but the challenge always is as Catherine said you know finding the time in the, in the curriculum you know uh, it's uh, uh, and we're all from professional disciplines where the curriculum is is pretty much dictated to us by professional bodies 
um, that in terms of what content they want covered. So it's very difficult to sort of squeeze in your your other sort of particular preferences or, or need. Um, but really, I suppose then we, we probably need to go to the next level up and, and to actually go and influence those people who create the policies um, and those registering bodies to, to make them understand the need to make this uh, part of the curriculum. Um, we have a we have a good bit of academic freedom, of course, to to go ahead and to to incorporate these issues. But it but it comes becomes challenging then when you have when you have tight uh, curricula, and of course um, <laughs> the old adage that uh, students will value uh, what is being assessed. Um, so really, if we want to make this sort of uh, genuinely embraced and uh, taken seriously. Uh, not only do we need to include it in our curriculum, but we need to assess it and examine it and challenge students to to uh, to engage with that sort of content uh, in in a, in a real way. Um, but yeah, that it's it's you know all the work that we're doing in preparing nurses and social workers and youth and community development workers for the world, for society, for Cork or wherever they go to work. All of that becomes insignificant if uh, we haven't got a safe planet on which to practice. <laughs> Have you noticed an increase amongst your colleagues in UCC in terms of environmental education in recent years? Like, are, is it just the case of more and more people are bringing it in and re- kind of recognising the, the severity of the crisis and the importance of education um, for sustainable development and environmental education? Um, I don't know what you think, Catherine, but I, I think it it is growing that sort of level of interest among our colleagues um, and the fact that UCC has always been such a leader in terms of its green um, policies and sustainability. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that it's something that's hugely on the agenda. Okay. In um, The UN Sustainable Development Goals, of course, have, have changed um, people's understanding a little bit more of sustainability. It gives it a more sort of some application to their disciplines and to their fields. Um, and certainly in our School of Nursing Midwifery, I'm I'm undertaking uh, a piece of work to map our curriculum against the UN Sustainable Development Goals um, uh, in this coming academic year. And, and thanks to the work that uh, John Barrymo and colleagues have done in creating that um, mapping instrument and tool. Um, and now, more recently, there is a piece of work going on to uh, map our research activities against the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And uh, and again, that will be a really useful opportunity to to, to genuinely um, see how our activities of teaching and research uh, both uh, contribute to or perhaps even are in con- challenging uh, with um, intentions and goals for us to, to meet those uh, Sustainable Development Goals. Yeah, yeah, I... I, I, I... I do think that Angela is correct in saying that in the two short years since our survey was carried out, I'm sure that there's been a lot more activity. Um, and I, I have no doubt that there will be um, environmental education and environmental modules if they're not already there on people's curriculum, curricula, I suppose I should say. Um, they will be because uh, this is something that none of us can be unaware of. Um, and I think also the the heat waves across 
uh, our continent, the continent of Europe, this summer have brought it, it to the forefront of people's minds again because we're seeing what our future may very well be like uh, for, you know, for our own continent. Um, mm. So I, I do think that this is something that's probably rapidly changing and there's going to be a lot more emphasis in education. Yeah, and on the topic of environmental education, I suppose before lecturers or teachers can bring in environmental issues, I suppose they need to understand the issues themselves and have the necessary tools and frameworks to make that integration possible. How have you worked to build the capacity of educators to develop uh, innovative environmental education practices through interdisciplinary collaboration? Ah, you see, that's the next step. (laughs) That's our next step, isn't it, Catherine, to really kind of... um, Yes. You know, we, we've done the survey to find out people's levels of understanding. Um, and the next piece is, as you say, to, to actually um, to assist in developing uh, innovative educational practices. Um, a lot of this work has been done already uh, in, in lots of other fields. And I don't think um, I don't think the discipline is really unique in that in that respect and I th- so I think you know there's great opportunity here for cross-disciplinary uh, collaboration um, and I think the, the the work that has begun in in mapping uh, is is only step one and the next stage is to say okay now we need to we need to put it in where it's missing we need to genuinely engage with it um, and the work doesn't finish there either you know I mean it's it's all well and good to include stuff in curriculum and, and to expect students to engage with it. Um, but it has to follow on into practice as well. Um, and I think that's that's where the real challenge is. Um, and I know for healthcare, that's a, that's a massive challenge. And I'm sure it is the same for social work and youth and community development. Yes, um, just to say also, um, following on the survey, Over the last two years, um, I mentioned at the beginning that we as a group have um, held a number of, a series of webinars on, uh, the first two were in 2020 and 21, um, on environmental education. And we looked at environmental education in theory and practice. Um, We had a number of speakers from from the field and also from education. Um, And one good thing about holding webinars, I know people are probably all webinared out at this stage, but one good thing is that you don't have to fly people over here Um, and you you can have somebody from the other side of the world speak at a webinar. Um, And that was great for us over the last couple of years. Um, And then last autumn, uh, autumn 2021, we had uh, a webinar and our keynote was um, Professor Kerry Facer from the University of Bristol. And uh, another speaker we had was Professor John O'Halloran, president of UCC. And they talked about the relationship between the community, uh, sorry, the university, the community and the environment. Um, that was a fantastic event. Um, this October, we have uh, our fourth webinar and our keynote speaker will be Killian Lohan, who is vice president of the European Economic and Social Committee. Um, and he is um, he's from the uh, uh, Green Economy 
group which uh, functions functions here in Cork. It's uh, an NGO, and uh, he's going to talk about policy and the environment um, from a both you know I suppose primarily a European perspective, but also from an Irish perspective. Um, so that these these webinars, I suppose, have been uh, ways of getting the thinking and the ideas and the practices out to the public, uh, not just people within UCC, but also more widely to community groups and um, NGOs. Um, so that's been, I suppose, the starting point. But as Angela said, we do see um, that there's the scope to do more, uh, more activities in this area, um, particularly to develop a network of environmental educators across our disciplinary areas. And that's something that we aim to do over the coming years so that we can exchange ideas, practices, knowledge, um, and be a support, uh, you know, across, across the island of Ireland in this area. Fantastic. And just my last question to wrap up the podcast, which is what we ask everyone who comes on. Uh, what is your favourite place on campus? Can I have a favourite walk on campus? Rather <laughs> <Yeah, sure. laughs> than one place? Because, wow, I mean, it is, it is such a fantastic mm. campus, isn't it? It goes without saying it's... it's uh, it's it's fabulous. I mean, my work is based down in Brookfield um, in the health sciences complex, so uh, which is also a beautiful building on a lovely bit of the campus, but it's not main campus. So I make it my business to, uh, no matter how busy I am, to try and get up to campus at least once a week, if not more, um, just to be on the main, uh, the main stage of the place and to meet people. So my favourite place would be to walk down from the President's Garden, uh, down past the Glucksman and down onto that river path. That's my favourite place. And I love walking along there and watching the river flowing through. Um, and I like to think about my parents who met at UCC. Um, yeah, and fell in love and married in the Honan and all of that. <laughs> so I love to think of them walking in, in a similar sort of area and, you know, in areas that haven't changed uh, too much, you know, since their time. That's a great Maybe answer. The old romantic in me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Catherine? Yeah, um, well, I would like to give a shout out to Barbara Doyle Prestwich and Owen Latisse, um, who they and colleagues have been giving these superb um, arboretum walks over the last couple of years. And I went on one of those walks um, earlier in the summer. And it was just an absolutely fantastic experience because even though we're surrounded by the trees and the nature on the UCC campus every day, um, it gave us a, an insight into some of these trees, their history, and also the reality that apparently there was a garden or arboretum there pre-UCC, um, which I didn't know. And some of the trees predate UCC, wow. which I think is amazing and I think is, shows great continuity um, and also is a, a tribute, I think, to the care that UCC um, gives to these trees, some of which could be, you know, well over 200 years old, maybe older in some cases. Um, so I would say the Arboretum, which uh, really encompasses the, the President's Garden and um, all the way down to the main entrance um, uh, include and includes the trees 
uh, in the quad as well. So I think any of those spaces or places are very special. And it's it's great to know a bit now about those trees and about their history and hope they keep going for many, many years to come. Thank you, Angela. And thank you, Catherine, for coming to talk to me today. It's been really interesting to hear about the relationship between sustainability and public health and um, all the work that you're doing to promote that and to build on environmental education. It's fantastic to hear about. Thanks, Neve. It's been lovely talking yeah. to you. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you very much, Neve. Thank you. And just as always, you can find us at UCC Green Campus on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you want to get in touch, you can email us at greencampus at uc.ie. Thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>